नमस्ते एवरीवन वेलकम टू द चारवक पॉडकास्ट दिस इज योर होस्ट कुशल मेहरा सो आई एम इन दिल्ली राइट नाउ एट द ग्रेट निखिल मेहराज हाउस एंड मिस्टर मेहरा एंड आई हाउस एंड ऑफिस या मतलब वही ऑफिस सॉरी मतलब मेरे लिए घर है द प्रिविलेजेस ऑफ बीइंग अ लॉयर इज गेट अ होम ऑफिस यस सो today's podcast is titled the basic structure of the constitution so we were planning to do this we were planning to do this then kabhi mai delay karta tha kabhi nikhil delay karta tha fir finally hum log ne ye podcast plan kar li so uh, just to give you guys a brief background of the theme mai camera ko nahi dekhne wala nikhil and i are going to look at each other because i want to understand this as much as possible myself but nikhil mai tere se request hogi when we do this podcast first start with literally explaining what the basic structure no, of the no, constitution no, I, look, is i have always made it a point to be as basics oriented as possible in all my podcasts with you and that's exactly the purpose here as well and there really isn't much utility to go into high level stuff when you don't even understand the basics of where things came from hmm right uh should i just start or yeah yeah kar de kar de specific question first of all i mean i mean you think of the basic structure doctrine um what is the impression you get and what is the question that would sort of arise in your mind straight away okay so when whenever i have heard the word used this this things this so called thing called the basic structure of the constitution is every time somebody says we will touch uh, the word secularism they say it is not in the basic structure of the constitution somebody says uh, uniform civil code uh this is uh, this can't be done because it is a violation of the basic structure of the matlab hamare desh mein jab bhi basic structure of the constitution ke bare mein baat hoti hai na jo bhi cheez kisi ko suit nahi karti wo basic structure of the constitution ho jata hai ye ye wo gene hai jo kisi bhi botol se nikal sakta no honestly i am literally telling you because every time we hear a discussion either in the form of a article or a oped or or a media bite uh from what is loosely called the establishment left wing of india they always give this argument using some fantastic word salad and then they say it is a violation of the basic structure of the constitution so the singular most interesting thing about this entire doctrine uh, and its constitutional history is that for the first 1718 years of the judgments that arose okay this nascency didn't exist and it didn't exist because it is at least my impression that your judges of the 50s and 60s leading up to the 70s were in fact literalists when it came to the constitution well, explain what what so does it mean to be a literalist when you look at any statute or any constitution you can look at it and say i am going to stick to literally the words as they stand or okay. you can say that the words as they stand in certain circumstances are creating an un- un- inappropriate outcome and so i need to actually go to the essence of what that particular provision was and provide an interpretation to that provision that ensures that it is fully executed right seems very high fluting right now but I'll, as we go along you'll understand and the single greatest point of interest when it comes to understanding the constitutional evolution of the basic structure doctrine mm. is literally from the first year of the constitution's existence okay parliament and executive sat back and said we made a few blunders in this constitution right the rights that you conferred the fundamental rights that you conferred under the constitution mm-hmm. they would stand in 
in the way of the political mandate that was arising through elections. So where it is a highly socialist manifesto and a highly socialist political mandate that's arising, mm -hmm. you have a constitution that might stand in the way of executing that particular goal. And I'll explain how this arises. But that's the first point of interest, that pretty much when you've enacted the constitution, you have an issue here. And let's be clear, B.R. Ambedkar is around. Nehru is around. Virtually everyone who has drafted the constitution uh, in the constituent assembly is around. Mm -hmm. And they're very active members of Indian politics at that time. Mm -hmm. Right? And they start realizing, we've got to start making some amendments here. And if you recall, even in the free speech podcast, I'd explain how really early on these amendments started to come. And so that behemoth amendment, the first amendment that we used to keep talking about, which everybody loves talking about how the first amendment in the United States was an enabling amendment that enhanced free speech. The first amendment in India mm -hmm. actually restricted not just free speech, but the main target mm -hmm. of the first amendment was property laws. Okay. And in specific, it was relating to the mandate of parliament to bring about substantial reform, agrarian reform, mm -hmm. particularly in land holding. So you can look at this as an anti-Zamindari amendment. And you can look at the basic structure doctrine doesn't as a concept even arise in Indian law. Not even the word basic structure is used until the Zamindari amendments are all in place. Anti-Zamindari amendments are all in place. Agrarian, agrarian reform and legal agrarian reform finishes protected under the constitution and then we start getting basic structure. Before that, it was used actually to completely do away with fundamental rights. And here's the interesting bit. From a purely legal sense, in a very simple term, parliament is the supreme body that can amend the constitution that power of the of the parliament to amend the constitution arises from the constitution itself from article 368 mm -hmm. right the article in itself sets out certain categories of amendments and depending on category of amendment it sets out the complexity of the amendment procedure there are certain amendments of the constitution that can be done pretty much the way you pass a bill you pass a law that is a simple majority there is another category of amendments that mm. require a two-third majority of present and voting. And then there is a third category of amendment which require two-third uh, majority of present and voting plus more than half the states to ratify. Okay. Right? So every single element and institution within the larger parliamentary framework has its own role in all of this. Right? In, in how a law is actually passed or an amendment is passed. The interesting thing was the written, because it's ours is a written constitution, in fact, the most detailed constitution in the world. Mm -hmm. And again, I'm, I'm talking about 1950, pretty much when the First Amendment is coming out, right? And the constitution has just been adopted, right? And the constitution in Article 368 is manifest in choosing certain parts that require that two-third plus majority of states. And very interestingly, the amendment of fundamental rights is not included there. Hmm. That's very interesting. The majority of all amendments, so let me put it this way, the default setting for a constitutional amendment in, under the Indian constitution is two-third majority of president voting in both houses of parliament. Got it. Right? 
the except one lighter exception is there are certain provisions that can be amended by a simple majority hmm the higher supra majority is super majority is two third plus uh, majority of states that largely relates to federalism hmm if you are amending the lists uh, the legislative lists etc mm hmm all right and that's been also done it's been achieved at times got it in 1950 the first amendment is passed and before that what happens is you have actually a classical property rights structure in your uh, part 3 part 3 being the fundamental rights provision got it that has a freedom uh, of article 191f which was the freedom to own and uh, possess land immovable property mm -hmm. and article 31 which was a classical eminent domain provision which said that state has the power to take land for public purposes but then it must provide compensation um, the word compensation is a term of art in law and compensation will generally mean the real value of the land the market value of the land right but the state will calculate it you cannot arbitrarily calculate market value market value is with reference to a market so what is the what is the price at which like pieces of plot have been sold and bought in recent times So, example, if I were to do a case today relating, say, my house, and I was trying to put a valuation to it, I'd look at what the surrounding plots have sold for recently. I cannot escape that. That is a matter of fact, hmm. right? But if if Parliament and through them the executive were to go around acquiring, or states themselves were to go around acquiring those volume of land they needed to undo zamindari, mm -hmm. and if they were to do it at that market price, they couldn't. They couldn't have afforded it. Okay, I have a question here. Shouldn't the basic structure, the way it is set up, be something like the non-negotiables that are unchangeable no, no, no. So in the? We are not there yet. We are not there yet. We'll get there, and I'll, I'll keep this. I'll park this question aside for a moment. I know where you're going with this. They should be enumerated things that are non-negotiable. Yeah, the, the, non these will not the be touched. Yeah, they cannot be touched That's no matter right. what. That's right. So, the, and, and we'll park that question for aside. For for a moment, because right now what I'm trying to refer to you is, there is no such thing as a basic structure at this moment in time. The question is, can Parliament amend the Constitution as it wishes, mm -hmm. or is there a limitation on Parliament's power to amend that Constitution? Mm -hmm. And in the first such judgment, which was uh, in Sankri Prasad Singh Deo versus uh, Union of India and State of Bihar, what had happened was a number of states had passed. agrarian reform legislation that necessarily required the taking and redistribution of land but the constitutional structure was such that these acts were being struck down by the high courts so the first amendment is passed which introduces an article 31a and an article 31b and what they essentially do are two very important steps that will pretty much outline the entire history of the early development of the basic structure document and what 31a says is that in case of certain kinds of legislation there can be no challenge under fundamental rights and 31b says we are setting up something called a ninth schedule and on the day on which it is set up 13 laws are placed in it where if the law is placed under the ninth schedule the law itself is not subject to challenge under uh, the constitutional provisions the law is immune to challenge so challenge by any entity that's forget entity by the parliament parliament 
has passed a constitutional amendment empowering a state government to pass a law pursuant to which you can redistribute land, etc. That particular legislation is inserted as an entry into the ninth schedule of the constitution. By its entry into the ninth schedule of the constitution, it becomes immune to challenge from the constitution. That's the legal theory that was adopted. Right? So the question then that arose, immediate challenges that arose were, you have therefore amended the fundamental rights. Okay. Abhi mujhe samaj right? so abhi samaj you have amended fundamental rights. Hmm. So the principal point of challenge from petitioners then is, could, do you have the power to amend fundamental rights? And as I had explained to you, Article 368 actually only sets out three categories of amendments. Okay. Right? And so, in the first judgment, in Shankari Prasad Singh Dev, Patanjali Shastri, as uh, the, the judge who wrote the main, the lead judgment, basically took the view, that, look, I'm taking a literalist construction. I'm coming back to that. I look at 368. 368 says there are three classes of amendments. I don't find fundamental rights protect, protected under any of these classes. So Got there's it. nothing wrong in the procedure. When I look at 368, there's an overwhelming power to amend the constitution. I see no restriction on the power to amend the constitution anywhere. Right? So I don't believe that there is any restriction on the power of parliament to amend the constitution. And this was perhaps the intent of the constituent assembly because the constituent assembly was quite far reaching in these, in these ideas. Now, let's be crystal clear. The idea of basic structure did not exist for a long time. It was a theoretical concept that arose in the 60s and was first, in fact, I touched this in an EWS podcast. Now, there was a German scholar who came and gave a lecture in Allahabad on the basic structure con concept. And from that arose two judgments from which basic structure was literally derived as a protective measure. But let's park that aside for a moment. Today, the only question is, can there be a limitation on the power of parliament to amend the constitution? Specifically in the context of fundamental rights, more specifically in the context of two specific fundamental rights, which is the freedom to own immovable property. Mm -hmm. And two, if you are to be deprived of that ownership of immovable property, it must be for due compensation. Got it. Right? And to overcome this, 31A and 31B are passed in two are, are introduced as constitutional amendments. Got it. The challenge to which is repelled solely on the ground that, sorry, parliament is supreme, parliament has the power. And repeatedly, it is mentioned that the Indian parliament is mm -hmm. at least as extensive in its legislative powers and amendment powers as the British parliament. And in Britain, there is parliamentary supremacy on legislation. Okay. Right. So what happens next? is a number of legislation are now pushed through into the ninth schedule. And what was commenced as a schedule, which had 13 pieces of legislation, mm -hmm. and perhaps a vision for the nature of legislation that must be inserted, mm -hmm. now suddenly becomes something that becomes much more because more laws are being introduced into it. And the Fourth Amendment, for example, that came, they found that Article 31 had created the same problem. Article 31A had created, had opened it up somewhat more, but they needed more kinds of lands to be brought under the power to uh, acquire and redistribute. Okay. And in doing so, they also wanted to nationalize certain industries. And so they had to be able to take 
that kind of property as well mm-hmm. without that due compensation and the fourth amendment introduced a change in 31a permitting the state to take over the management of any property or company and further provided that in article 31 that unless ownership of property comes to vest in the state it would not amount to compulsory acquisition even though a person may have been deprived of his property so i could pretty much just take over management i could take over management pretty much right and it it then sought to put the issue of sufficiency of, con- of compensation beyond the purview of judicial review now this is really speaking kushal a political tug of war right and how the constitution is to be interpreted at that point in time is in the in the eyes of the supreme court at that moment in time a matter of we have a written word we will not go beyond written word right? this is pretty sounds like the american t- tussle between so the republican is, judges this, this and democratic scalier. judges this is more scalia yeah justice scalia this is more a scalia kind of interpretation or originalist literalist kind yeah, of yeah originalism so given that the court is the original court interpreting the first words of the constitution it's not surprising that they're originalists and literalists yeah right and this is also the 50s and 60s these theories of expansive constitutional interpretation haven't still taken vogue you know in a sense mm-hmm. in any event you now move to 1964 and the 17th amendment okay and this was challenged in a judgment called sajjan singh and sajjan singh is vital because it's the last time parliament gets away with all this okay so 14 years parliament has been amending the constitution without any fear that the supreme court is going to come down and challenge your power of amendment hmm and so the challenge and so essentially that old doctrine that whether it is fundamental rights or any other part of the constitution hmm. it can be amended by parliament is unchallenged as of now got it same in 64 sajjan singh's judgment arrives and sajjan singh's judgment essentially says that uh it you can amend any part of the constitution and really the challenges at that point in time used to pertain to what are the correct procedures to be followed right i just want to read two contrasting parts so the challenge used to be aapne 368 ka correct procedure follow kiya ki nahi kiya to creative argument hoti thi article 226 or or other articles which required a higher majority are mm-hmm. effectively being amended by your amendment here and so if they are effectively being amended or those powers are being limited then you should have used a different procedure under 368 that used to be the argument mm-hmm. whereas the court turned on and said no in the end it is only part 3 which is fundamental rights which are being amended amended and so therefore effects will not matter what matters is what is the exact provision which, which is being amended and since that is only a fundamental rights provision which is not otherwise given to any kind of super supernatural sorry a super majority under article 368 it can be done by a two third majority of both houses of parliament and do so right so i'm going to read to you the sajjan singh stand and the first the shankari prasad position and the shankari prasad provision is we find it however difficult in the absence of a clear indication to the contrary to suppose that they also intended to make those rights immune from constitutional amendment 
fundamental rights are not immune from constitutional amendment. <clears throat> the terms of Article 368 are perfectly general and empower Parliament to amend the Constitution without any exception whatever. Had it been intended to save the fundamental rights from the operation of that provision, it would have been perfectly easy to make that intention clear by adding a proviso to that effect. In short, we have here two articles, each of which is widely phrased, but confines its operation as with the other. Harmonious construction requires that one should be read as controlled and qualified by the other. Having regard to the consideration adverted to above, we are of the opinion that in the context of Article 13, law must be taken to mean rules or regulations made in excess of ordinary legislative power and not amendments to the Constitution. Why is this significant? Article 13 is defines the concept of law for the purposes of fundamental rights chapter. Any law is amenable to challenge okay. under the fundamental rights chapter. And law is a very broad definition under the under Article 13. Okay. The argument, therefore, was that a constitutional amendment is also law. In that sense. But isn't it? So the answer to that was no. How? Well, that makes Although no rational law sense. Law must to ordinarily me. include constitutional law. There is a clear demarcation between ordinary law, which is made in exercise of legislative power. And constitutional law, which is made in exercise of constituent power. Dicey defines constitutional law as including all rules which directly or indirectly affect the distribution or exercise of sovereign power in the state. It is thus mainly concerned with the creation of the three great organs of the state, the executive, the legislature and the judiciary, the distribution of governmental power among them and the definition of their mutual relation. No doubt our constitution makers allow, followed the American model of incorporated certain fundamental rights of part three and made them immune from interference by laws made by laws, not parliamentary amendments, not constitutional, by laws made by the state. So you can't by legislature uh, diminish my fundamental right, by, by a legislation diminish my fundamental right, but by a constitutional amendment you can, because the concept of a constitutional, constitutional amendment is we are redistributing the very powers but that lie between I don't understand. Like, isn't that a law? No, 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 no. See, please understand something. What is he trying to say? He's trying to say, I have constitutional law by character is different from a legislation or an act of parliament. Okay. So, okay. Right? Why is it different? Because a constitutional amendment is meant by the by those so empowered to reorganize the various balances of power between, say, the organs uh, of the state. Right? So maybe they, this is the wisdom of parliament today decides. And through wisdom of parliament, the will of the people decides. We need to sort of make parliament a bit more immune. Or we need to make the judiciary a little heavier. Or we need to make the executive a little immune. Something or the other. Which is a re recalibration of the exact structure of the constitution. The constitution itself will not chew up that structure. Hmm. Right? So in a sense, if I were to look at this and put it very simply. Parliament is at all times effectively a sitting constituent assembly. Hmm. Think of it that way. Now I get it. Right? Now it is effectively it. a sitting constituent assembly at all times. Because it's a house where constant reinterpretation happens. Rewriting happens. Interpretation is in the court. Rewriting happens. Okay. I sorry. I you used the wrong word. The constitution all the time. I used the wrong word. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it, it's actually quite interesting. They they, they use the word. I should have printed that bit out here. Uh, But essentially what they say is that they are defending the right of 
a polit of, of the majority political party to recalibrate fundamental rights in order to enforce a political idea that they hold to be very dear and close to themselves and have, on the basis of elections, obtained the sanctity of having received the will of the people behind it. Right. So that is what they protest. So this is still the the position in... Mark, uh, okay, explain this. I don't know when I hear this, why am I very uncomfortable with the idea and I, it somehow seems to me that the power of the parliament is getting curtailed. That's exactly what's happening. Yeah, I don't like that. You don't like that, but think of it this way. They were running, they could have run coach and horse. So that's what I'm trying to say. Till, and this is where subject matter is very important. Till it's Zamidari. And you're getting rid of Zamidari. Hmm. Right? Parla Supreme Court keeps running around and saying, I mean, whatever the heck you want, bro. Go after whatever you want. It's all good. Yeah, but then uh, Supreme Court is not elected, yeah. Supreme Court has no right to decide. The parliament was elected by the people. Uh, they are speaking the will uh, of the people. The Supreme Court is not speaking the I'm will sorry, of the people. The, the pa parliament is not the only, the only interpreter of the will of the people, right? Supreme Court is an interpreter of the will of How, the people. How, Nikhil? In as much as, in as much as the people have to themselves, by the legal fiction of constitutionalism, conferred upon themselves certain rights. Can you run away from those rights altogether? Tomorrow, can Parliament come and say, I'm deleting every single fundamental right? If the Parliament does, the people will oppose. Then you are saying that, and the that the Supreme Court or any judicial body, apex judicial body, should sit back and say, let Parliament do what it wants. And when it, when it can't do what it wants to, that will actually be shown through a revolution. And nothing short of a revolution. No, but... That's what it is. If okay. I if I take all the fundamental rights out, you're basically saying, look, go and revolt against the executive of parliament as it stands. Short of that, you're not getting any protections from anywhere. Right? And that's where the court starts to turn. And it turns very interestingly in this is not even a I wouldn't even call it a minority judgment in Sajjan Singh. It's an it's a it's a concurring judgment in Sajjan Singh. But a phrase arises for the very first time, Kushal. And that, but I'll read that later, but first I want to put something here. Bull. He says exactly the question, exactly to the point of debate that you that you raise justice jr mudhulkar but it would, it would indeed be strange that rights which are considered to be fundamental and which include one which is guaranteed by the constitution wide article 32 should be more easily capable of being abridged or restricted than any other matters referred to in the proviso to article 368 some of which are perhaps less vital than fundamental rights this is a very dicey line if you ask me Hello. So, so he gets that. He gets that. It is possible, as suggested by the learned brother, that Article 368 mainly lays down the procedure. I'll come to. I'll explain this argument in a bit. Okay, but he then finally uses a phrase. It is also a matter of consideration whether making a change in a basic feature of the Constitution can be regarded merely as an amendment, or would it be, in effect, rewriting a part of the Constitution? If the latter, would it be within the purview of Article 368? Okay, so. The basic structure is related to Article 368. So, so because if they use the word basic structure, the natural next question they must have envisaged is somebody might come to them and say, then define basic structure. Well, obviously. So they deal with that later. Now, this is 64. And all of this starts to take a much bigger turn in 67. And in 67, what comes is a... Sorry, 
need to get back get back to my notes. 67 and 73 is pretty much the death knell of this old rule that you can amend anything. And in fact, in 67, 11 judges in IC Golaknath was the state of Punjab. They actually turn 180. Right? Where the old dictum had been, there's no restriction on the parliament's power to amend. You can amend freedom, uh, fundamental rights as you want to. In 67, I see Golaknath goes and hold. Sorry, fundamental rights are so primordial that you cannot touch them. And how do they arrive at that? Because they still have the legal problem. 368 doesn't make this distinction. 368 of the constitution. So where do you come up with this restriction from? And they come up with a very innovative argument. And it's actually, it's a piece of, uh, I mean, you know, now that you get told about it right now, it, it, it just, everybody gets it. Oh, it sounds like first principles. But to have thought it up was, I mean, it's nothing short of legal genius. The argument is, Article 368 does not lay down the source of the amending power. Article 368 merely lays down the procedure of the amending power. Okay. And the source of the amending power will come from the very character of the of the provision that you're seeking to amend. So if you're seeking to amend a fundamental right, then the first question that must arise is whether you have the power at all or not. And you will have to answer that dehors 368. And they say that the, the petitioner's argument was fundamental rights are so basic, so integral and so fundamental in the real sense, I mean, a tautology, but so fundamental to the Constitution that the purpose of the Constitution, first and foremost, was fundamental rights. There is no other purpose of the establishment of a state, yes, but fundamental rights. The core kind of sounds like a circular argument. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's not. Listen to me. Uh, let me finish the argument. That's so basic that an amendment provision cannot be, if it is a source of power, a substantive source of power, cannot be drafted without reference to it at all. And... Similarly, there were certain provisions of other constitutions that had specific powers uh, saying that you cannot amend constitutions and, I'll, and I'll, uh, fundamental rights. And I'll read to that. Article 11 of the Japanese constitution had said that certain rights are eternal and inviolate. Article 5 of the American federal constitution provides that no amendment shall be made depriving the state without its consent of its equal suffrage in the Senate. So there are certain things that go beyond the pale of amendment altogether. This is not alien to constitutionalism. And so the argument is that if you look at what you want to amend, perhaps because we have a really long written constitution, there are a lot of mundane features to the constitution. You can look at, say, a mundane aspect of the constitution and say, we're amending this and someone will turn around and say, this is so simplistic that you absolutely have the power to amendment, amend it. But what is the procedure you have to follow? The procedure you have to follow comes from 368. Does it fall under the simple majority? Does it fall under uh, the two-third majority? Or does it fall under the super, super majority? Right? The old argument was no, all power of amendment. Article 368 is a complete code in itself. And Article 368 is the only source of amending power. This was the starting point. Right now, the new argument being placed is no, 368 is not the source of amending power. The source of amending power comes from the nature of the very article that you are trying to amend. Right, 
but the procedure you have to follow will come from 368 so 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 what they have done is they have changed the essence of the meaning like the essence where does it derive from no, no, that's what i'm saying they went 180 yeah they, went they completely changed and then they said this 368 is just ki karna hai 1 2 3 4 tarike se that's right magar kyon karna hai wo aise wo essence se aayega jis cheez ko aap badal rahe ho uski essence se aayega yeah. aur kuch pravidhan aapke aise hote hain constitution mein jo khud batate hain ki hamari amendment ho sakti hai ki nahi ho sakti hote hain और कैसी अमेंडमेंट होगी देर आर इन फैक्ट एंड सो द आर्ग्यूमेंट टू इवन मोर वेटेज बिकॉज देर आर फॉर एग्जाम्पल फॉर एग्जाम्पल इफ यू हैव टू मॉडिफाई द टेरिटरी ऑफ इंडिया राइट एड अट डिलीट अ स्टेट देर इज अ प्रोविजन इन दूशन आर्टिकल फोर समझ गया विच टेल्स यू हाउ इट इज टू बी डन समझ गया दैट इज इफेक्टिवली एन अमेंडमेंट ऑफ द कॉन्स्टिट्यूशन इट इज विदाउट रेफरेंस टू थ्री सिक्सटी एट मगर फिर इफ इट इज विदाउट रेफरेंस टू थ्री सिक्सटी एट that gives more strength to the argument 368 is only procedural article 4 chooses its own procedure article 368 chooses you know this procedure. is this is such a complex issue ye to matlab kisi bhi subject pe koi bhi situation pe the courts can step in and anybody can make a nice argument that this is a violation of the basic structure this is such a vague concept to me i'm not going there i'm not trying that's why if you look at the golaknath provision golaknath says what they are not vague they say fundamental rights you choose that they are still discussing your amending power it is still a question of do you have a power of amendment how do i interpret the power of yeah amendment? so they drew a line at the fundamental right how how on basis of what so you have article 4 you have article 169 you have article 240 they give their own amending system okay right so the court is essentially saying look you have certain provisions that have their own amending system and 368 is for others that's an amending system but they're all procedural The, whether you can amend a thing or not depends on the thing that it is, right? It's like saying you're a human body. No problem. Chop off your finger if you have to at times. You'll still remain the person you are, but you can't chop off your heart because then you're not the person you are. So, what is the basic structure of the body? They, right. So you can chop off an appendix, but you know there are other things similar to the appendix <laughs> that, you wanna, that you wanna hold on to. You don't want to chop off so easily, right? Because it changes the essence of who you are. right so so see so in a way they are working on the harm principle they are and this gets interesting you said to me something very because this history just like there are a lot of 180s that happen and i promise you you're going to make a 180 at some point in this you had said to me it bothers you that the that parliament's power to amend a constitution is being restricted in any way yeah right so we'll get there we'll get there now this is 67 right and then what happens is if there has ever been an election in india's history there's a period there's a 3 4 year period when uh, shastri ji passes away indra steps in indra yes. seeks election in 71 that election is literally fought on the ground of a constitution ji jalado this constitution has stopped all our development has stopped all our socialist goals ak gopalan the famed uh, communist from kerala was basically said scrap this constitution आज तो हम लोग वी टॉक लाइक कॉन्स्टिट्यूशन इज सुप्रीम और कॉन्स्टिट्यूशन कान गो राइट वेर इज द बैटल सो इंदिरा रूलर्स इंडिया इन फोर्टी सेवन दैट Shall remain undisturbed. 
all of that started to become a bit too expensive yeah man i was just going to say it started to become a bit too expensive so and this will be very political nehru and others were perhaps able to use these rulers quite effectively in their politics yeah indra was like there's only one writ that runs now bastards yeah there's only one writ that runs right so she was going to run coach and horses and here's the most interesting thing you know the first judgment that beat her on this madhavrao sindhya versus union of india hmm where they fought for the protection of the privy purse they won because they still didn't have a certain amendment they required for this purpose and that introduced article 31c and 31c is where it all kicks off so like i've been telling you everything has been about property rights but what had started to happen with 31b at one point in time is that new acts were also being inserted in there that had nothing to do with property so now you're not looking at one singular large public policy goal of we must redistribute land you're starting to put other legislation into the into the ninth schedule where you say isko nahi chhu sakte hmm and you can't touch these legislation anyway 31c gets passed uh his royal highness kesavanand bharti challenges the amendment constitutional amendment this is a very famous case sir so this is the case only time in india's history well once to review case number 15 sat but 13 judges have rendered a judgment 13 judges sat this went on for months the longest written judgment ever crazy to read even today a number of constitutional experts will tell you that the assertment of a 7-6 majority is not something that they can be completely sure of because it's that complicated a judgment and only nine judges eventually sign the bloody thing okay but if effectively this is what happens so you have the sankri prasad position which is you can run coach and horses as parliament through constitution your power of amendment is complete and it arises from 368 you have the goloknath position which is 368 is only a procedural power substantive power comes from the nature of the article and the nature of the article dictates that fundamental rights are so primordial you can never touch them you can never amend them right and somehow the supreme court finds a middle ground and says no no your power of amendment is supreme but you can't touch what fundamental rights no, again no, the basic structure are magar fir wahi ghoom fir ke se ye to one sec that's the answer they found because now they found something nascent to play with ye to aisa hai ki they have created a lose meaning 31a 31b 31a and b being the ones that were challenged in the first amendment itself jisme they had expanded the power of taking by by the state of lands of areas zamindars etc would withstand the efforts of uh, any challenge under basic uh, under any any provision of the constitution because in a in furtherance of and this is a basic structure provision for them equality which is in generating equality you must at times create inequality some people have to be treated unfairly to create a larger equality and a restructuring of society and that's the nature of land reform. positive discrimination that's right so that's the nature of land reform right and you'll see the same argument that upholds affirmative action in 91 a facet of the same argument upholds affirmative action in 91 but keshavanand sets the base now and indra has won a kind of a pyrrhic victory where she has definitely won what she wanted which is the insertion of 31c excluding certain other some minor parts she's won that 
in totality almost right but she's lost something that she gets very worried about very quickly she understands the implication of this basic structure of it she's like ye kahan se bana ke liya ye kya googli aa gayi hai basically what she was worried was ye log mere phatte mein taang ladenge they go to they pass all these provisions parliament does all of this they are still thinking the game is is bipolar right it's either fundamental rights can be touched or fundamental rights cannot be touched mm-hmm. that's the game right now in town there is no other game in this and suddenly this basic structure thing arises yeah wohi to main bol raha hu na pehle it started that you cannot touch fundamental rights then wahan pe nahi hua to now unhone they have expanded the meaning itself but you can touch fundamental rights now not every every touching of a fundamental right is inherently a basic structure violation some may be to enhance it in fact some erasures of fundamental rights may in fact be basic structure so you were saying to me you were worried about the restraint on parliament's power to amend the constitution how do you feel about parliament's power to delete the right to private property not good well they had that power they, had... they would have had that power under the contemplation you had but eventually they did get it they done. did because the problem was this arose in the 70s and in the 70s private property was a very bad word because you were still dealing with something because I, i think it was eventually passed under the murarji desai government right. but started under the indira gandhi government but it had been rendered otos effectively because yeah. what had happened was because the word compensation went see understand something ownership has value okay the very first principles thing about property mm-hmm. ownership has a meaning if it has market value Hmm. Right. If we can do an arm's length transaction, and that becomes the basic value of the tra- of the property, and it becomes a signaling of the value of the property in rem, that is to all of society, including the state, right? Then the property has value. But by amending thirty, by inserting thirty one A, B, and C, what you've given to the state is this unique power to come and say, "We can take your land." This so called compensation needn't be compensation; it needs to be an amount. not compensation but an amount and that amount all it requires is it shouldn't be illusory so acres upon acres are taken and 3 lakh rupees are handed over 4 lakh rupees are handed over many such cases this was the reordering of the land reform space in india you had to do it this is what this this was the political imperative and if you look at the judiciary right essentially the judiciary said yes we'll assist you in this bit that's why i said jahan tak zamindari tha na the judiciary has assisted them now what happens watch the first time a constitutional amendment is struck down for a basic structure doctrine violation happens in 7677 indra 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 nehru gandhi versus raj narayan इलेक्शन के टाइम पर आफ्टर द अलाहाबाद हाईकोर्ट जजमेंट विच हैड रेंडर्ड इन वैलिड इंदिरा गांधी इलेक्शन टू पार्लियामेंट एंड बेसिकली मेड हर अनटेनेबल पोजिशन एज प्राइम मिनिस्टर एंड इफेक्टिवलीटेड इलेक्टोरल ऑफेंसिस अलाहाबाद हाईकोर्ट है क्राइम्स राइट पार्लियामेंट इफेक्टिवली इंदिरा गांधी बिकॉज वेदर इट वॉज एक्टिव और पार्लियामेंट इट वॉज ऑल इंदिरा गांधी passed an amendment saying into article 329 saying you can never call into question the election of the prime minister the president and certain others <laughs> you just don't mess with indra right there is just no game in like ja bhag idhar se there is no subtlety here i mean you, you think you guys are a hammer i'm a bigger hammer than you are literally yeah. what go ja bhag idhar se so you just turn around and says you can't call it into question get struck down 
and i wanted to bring this up today you know the great uh, late great shanti bhushan just recently passed away haan ji the first lawyer to have won a case on basic structure and have and have a constitutional amendment him. struck down was him uh, and it was done pretty much in a days argument he wiped it out in like a couple of days like just you, he, what is it so what emerges from that maintaining democracy and the primacy of democracy and democratic fairness of democratic rules is certainly a aspect of your basic feature basic structure that's what emerges from that so pehle fundamental right the ab fundamental right hate aur democracy ke jaisi loose system hai wo ho gaye na the fundamental rights formulation was absent the basic structure formulation the formulation at that time was fundamental rights untouchable by the amending power itself okay not basic structure fundamental right ka kan kan aap nahi chhu sakte which is also an absurdity let me give you an example we did the ews podcast ha huh. articles 14 15 16 15 and 16 amended multiple times over many things added to them many would say that those only help to further expound upon the idea of affirmative action the idea of uh, positive discrimination that was necessary in this country hmm the golaknaf doctrine would have said you can't do it ye itna complex hai it's a very that, fine line to tread that have amounted to an abridgement see even golaknaf wouldn't have gone that far because golaknaf only said you cannot abridge fundamental rights you cannot abrogate fundamental rights but would this have amounted to an abrogation in the eyes of those who were affected by it right so that becomes a more complex question so while the fundamental rights question is going on that is literally say power of amendment only basic structure once it comes in is now a much more amorphous thing at least with fundamental rights you were clear this part to this part of the country is panne se lege is panne tak aap chhedkani nahi kar sakte but with basic structure that's gone somewhere right and effectively with the hollowing out of the right to private property the fundamental right is self deleted 191f itself is deleted and in its stead comes article 300a but what's interesting is one more thought that with the deletion of the fundamental right to private property what is the realistic effect that happens right if today 191f stayed on the statute book to me it was it was basically ornamental to delete it but in 19 why ek minute why is it ornamental the game is not in 191f the right to own private property the game is in 31 where you've destroyed the concept of compensation samajh kya because you can keep the right to private property but have hollowed out the concept of your value right so 191f goes away but that doesn't mean the transfer of property act is gone that doesn't mean sales of property or leases of property or licenses of property have gone they exist they are enforced every day by courts contracts of that sort are every day enforced could i certainly have gone and said right to private property is gone i am the possessor i own everything right this was actually required in exactly the way in which i frame it in relation to agrarian reform that the tiller became the owner and so there were land tenancy laws agrarian land tenancy laws all over india very successful laws i mean depending on how you look at it. but this was your preferred economic policy at that time i was supported 
you then had and what ha- so this is why i again say that while it was dealing with zamindari and redistribution of land the court supported the court even supported an urban land ceiling act a rural land ceiling act you could only own x amount of land in your own name of course people circumvented that rubbish because suddenly the land was transferred in the names of their servants <laughs> right but but the control remained yours effective control remained yours people did all of this yeah apne desh mein log fantastic hote hain when you pass these laws this is what happens right and and politicians for all their screaming and yelling are very happy are very happy mm. because these guys will give you campaign finance so it all it all sort of meshes in you find your solutions when you need to find your solutions <laughs> but in minerva mills in maman rao after that constitution amendments were struck down right because they started to step into a domain that went away from them that suddenly started to question people's ability to question you that's what indra had started to do and in this you can imagine that the rage of the court itself in the heat of the emergency would have been like, we got to knock you back a few steps here so there are certain provisions that are upheld certain that are gone what is gone clear unequivocal aspect of basic structure you cannot exclude judicial review even in vaman rao amendments made again all of this was rechallenged in mamanra so effectively what happened was a very good argument was made saying look 31a 31b 31c 31a and b in particular and parts of unamended c were upheld in sankari prasad that's the first judgment before basic structure doctrine existed so now we're coming back to challenge those on basic structure but this is the yeah the problem is the line keeps changing look the line does keep changing so if you read the ews judgment now right so now the line now keeps changing actually if you look at it it's very interesting for the longest possible time both statutory as well as constitutional amendments arising from parliament mhm were meant to make it cheaper and cheaper for parliament to acquire land and to redistribute it. but over time that that alters because now you want to reintroduce value into land so your most recent land amendment uh, land acquisition act of 2013 passed by the upa just before they went out of power actually makes acquisition more difficult and you get great value for land if it's acquired now but that has been possible and feasible in india now because of the value because of the size of the indian state you become a richer country you can pay your citizens for whatever you take from them even for infrastructure development these are practical things being rolled into very complex legal doctrine okay it literally comes down to in 70 70s paise nahi the sir we need to be able to take your land in a much easier way in 2020 2020s and 2020s we have more money we we have to be fair to you right and so the effect is that our 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 basic structure doctrine judgments in 2007 onwards are actually are actually attacking parliamentary power again and saying you have to stop willy-nilly putting statutes into the ninth schedule that famous ninth schedule i told you about so judgment became crystal clear in maman rao and reinforced nayar coelho that any insertion of a legislation into the ninth schedule amounts to an amendment of the constitution because you added an entry into the constitution and so that so by virtue of that entry into the ninth schedule that legislation itself becomes open to a a, a challenge under the basic structure i have another query here 
so this basic structure is judged as in analyzed in the court level in the high court and the supreme court yes right so i've understood that that's right. correct they these are the two constitutional courts they have the power to yes now every time different judgments judge it differently so, absolutely so what the hell is the basic structure circumstances dictate are aise thodi na hota hai yaar tum do kadam aage jate ho fir ye log bolte hai ki hum do kadam piche aa jayenge aadmi to confuse ho jayega ye to middle path hota hai yaar aur kya hota hai ye kaun sa middle path hai circumstances dictate they will tell you so you look at the ews judgment i look at the ews judgment that time i was telling you and you you perhaps haven't even at that time accepted fully that i i see problems in that judgment yeah i mean i don't envisage them jaise tu kar raha hai now more and more people are starting to talk about it i can see that they started to realize that there's an issue here so i look at you have the principle of unequals being treated unequally as a basic feature of the constitution but that required positive discrimination to remain an exception to the larger principle of equality and an exception whatever else it may be it has to be less than half so let me paraphrase this so basically in in context to the ews you're thinking some equals are also unequal that's what i'm trying to say that's the government's no, no no it's it's not so much that. so i'm not going to i'm i'm on only one thing you allowed the breach of the 50% rule right what does the 50% rule do now what you've made is positive discrimination is no longer an exception effectively you've created that scenario i would have said that's a part of the basic structure and that's what the uh uh that issue actually never eventually was decided by anybody फैक्टर No, but this is why I get, find it very jittery. I can rely on economic status as a factor because economic status has frequently been used in statute and in legal policy and in many many amendments as well, both the constitution and to legislation, as a basis for being provided a leg up. So why can't it be done in this way? In this way as well. That's what they accepted as well. That's the nature of equality in India. That's what they held. Therefore, no violation of basic structure. i i find this concept to be even more dangerous now because it just creates more complications yeah, so I, i you you've heard me on this you've seen me write about this i've always said i don't get this right? but listen at the end of the day it earned the supreme court a sobriquet that you can find so, even on google even now as per the court the is the end- the most powerful court in the world is the indian supreme court yeah so as per the supreme court of india the selection of judges the parliament not entering is also the basic structure now, now what was the argument i was making to you because of which we decided to do this podcast and yeah. what is the uh, battle that happened between the vice president and the comments that he made was ah right? uske bare mein baat karte as i try to understand understand it and perhaps i'm going to be a bit charitable to all sides but i want to really frame a good intellectual framework to this place a good intellectual framework to this the vice president says we come to you with a unanimously passed constitutional amendment yes 
right? How can it be violative of basic structure? The parliament is right. That's right. So, so what is the what is the principle that would therefore apply? The principle that would apply is, I'm sorry, you are not the sole interpreter of basic structure. I am first an interpreter of the will of the people. Nobody has basic structure more than I do as parliament. Yes, and I agree. Right, right. That's what I said in the so beginning. This is why for people to turn around and say, no, the short answer is that judicial independence is supreme. It is an integral part of basic structure. No, no, ha, wo, wo, judges case ke types. Wo, jab 125, 126 But independence of judiciary is a logical feature of every and any constitution. It's just that the problem that arises, they have chosen only one mode that determines this the independence is, of judiciary. I am sorry, this is not independence of judiciary. Right. This is supremacy of that's judiciary. Right. That's right. That's right. So we are not using those, the right it's, word it's here. It's open to those different interpretations. See, independence of judiciary being a basic feature of the constitution, no problem with that. Yeah, what nobody that would have a problem. What does that mean? That means nobody can, if you're a judge, nobody can knock your door in the middle of the night and say, write the judgment this way. Absolutely. Right? But does it go extend, does it extend to saying, nobody else can appoint me other than me? Look, the parliament has to be supreme. Right? So therefore, to say that only one mode exists, one mode of appointment of judges exists mm. that amounts to judicial independence is perhaps debatable. And that's what the vice president is getting at. That we, and, and, and I cannot emphasize the enormity of this, and perhaps this can be an ex exception to the concept of basic structure, where one proposition has to be placed before the Supreme Court for adjudication at some point in time, which is, when Parliament passes a particular constitutional amendment unanimously, right, and it is not manifestly destroying a number of your fundamental rights, then it has to be allowed. Then you have to deem it to be basic structure. Yeah. That's what he was driving at. I, I would not say you have to be deeming it to be basic structure. The, 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 or that uh, it cannot be violated of basic structure. cannot be violated It cannot be violated basic structure. structure. I think that's the better yeah, yeah, way the of negative framing. is better. The you negative is always safer. Yeah, you cannot be violated. Otherwise, the parliament is also becoming right. dangerous. Right. Otherwise, they'll be like, we'll give, we'll give you more basic structure. We'll give you more basic structures to give you. We'll give you more basic structures to give you. But this is very scary because, you know, as you were explaining this, I literally 20th minute in my mind, this court has done its own judge's selection. They will have to kill the basic structure. Yes, yes. How do you do it? Basically, what is the basic structure for the courts? What was the Jagira's dialogue? I was going to eat a dog. It is a free-for-all, boss. Anytime, anything... They yeah, want yeah. to interpret it. They just go out there. They interpret it as you per know, their I, whims and fancies. I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna use some of my old work. Okay, this is an old speech I had written for someone. I was very young, actually. Well, not very young, but. Uh, young but uh, the yeah yeah. So this this is what all experts agree on. Okay. It is pertinent to note that each and every fundamental right does not constitute the basic structure of the constitution. Only the essence of certain rights or other features would fall within its definitional purview. And in certain cases, the basic structure doctrine has been used to cede to the executive's desire of placing directive principles of state policy uh, above fundamental rights in as much as the essence of rights seemingly impinged is preserved. 
particularly where the right in question is that of equality, a purpose of interpretation can be given whereby the furtherance of socialist goals would amount to substantive equality for all, even though it may come at the expense of inequality in an individual case. However, this is subjective analysis that must be undertaken in each case separately, right? So if you, this, this is another framework to examine basic structure. And what Parliament wanted was, look, we have certain directive principles of state policy. They're not justiciable. Nobody can ever tell us that you've not passed a law furthering a directive principle of state policy. Got it. We can't be compelled to do it. That's what non-justiciable means. But they are nonetheless in the constitution and they are supposed to be guiding factors for what your legislative priorities are. Right. And so we start passing these constitutional amendments and these laws in furtherance specifically of say 39 BNC, Article 39 BNC, which is about redistribution of, of, of resources, material resources. Right. And so we are in a sense, executing the mandate given to us by constitution in the fund, in the directive principles of state policy, you must support us if we are effectively placing the DPSPs above the fundamental rights, which Supreme Court, which Parliament chooses to do. But then I ask you this: How does constitutionalism, constitutionalism work, where you can take a non-justiciable part of the constitution itself, which is a directive principle of state policy? and use them as a basis for suborning fundamental rights. So you've taken them now from beyond non-justiciability to in fact a position of supremacy of fundamental rights without ever being able to call them into question. Sounds complicated or did you understand no. that? This, this becomes directed... complicated because at its core, this attacks the heart of what is a democracy meant to be? I, I'm totally with you. I, 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 this is the great thing that you raised. I love this idea. We because have to go down this path. what is do a democracy? Do your rights matter to you more, or do your powers matter to you? More? Yes, and not only that. Absolutely. What? This means democracy ka meaning. Hi. That's, right, that's, right, Ye, that's right. This is so scary. That's right. But that's because you and I have perhaps more libertarian roots in our approach. This to is these so things. scary. This is have, so scary for a person see, like me. In the end, all of these things come down to the way you examine your worldview, which is, are you an outcomes-driven person or are you a liberty-driven uh, liberty person as much as are you driven by outcomes or are you driven by the process itself, right? So I'm driven more by the process itself. I think if you robustly keep enforcing rights, you will do well overall. You'll do better overall. you build a better society overall. I will always prefer liberty to have an edge over equality, right? Whereas our legislative priority are Political priority has been to place equality much above liberty, in a sense. And liberty has been restrained and restricted in many ways and many times, and it continues to be done even today, even though we get great, lovely legal lectures from time to time from the Supreme Court. Yeah, that's our judges. Let's not undermine that way. They, the Supreme Court is a phenomenal institution, and it's done... When I describe all of this, right, the whole thing sounds very odd to you. Oh, they've taken so much power, but they they were acting in the face of a literally despotic prime minister. It was the exception to the norm. They That's, changed the so, damn so norm. That that is the problem that they start looking at today and are perhaps not accepting. But be clear about this: you and I will see it as the exception. It's as the exception. There are a lot of people in this country who look at the current prime minister and say, perhaps he's just... Thank you. You have made this point because this is where I wanted to take the conversation because the problem is 
because uh, we are living in a world where everything i don't like is hitler and everything i don't see is nazism leads to people interpreting and poking and prodding in things they have no business doing absolutely in. but you don't get to write a judgment on the basic structure on this kind of whimsy that you've just described i'm sorry it doesn't work like that if you have to write a judgment on the basic structure saying something does or does not violate the basic structure you need a really heavy amount of reasoning you're going to do it extremely in the public i you're going to do it with open court hearings for days and weeks you don't get away with it that easily and and even to till date where has the modi government lost to them only on njac only on njac yeah but that that's the worst place the modi government should not lose to them they have no business deciding no, so their own judges well, well, they, but, but they are not doing something new to modi no in that no no they are not no, do, doing anything not doing new something... to the parliament no no they're not doing something new to modi no they've done this for a while now. yeah they have been doing right. it for they've all they've done this for a while make a better case come back to them come back to them but today if you look at judges who are ex chief justices i look at people of of great uh moral standing right they come out of the office they debate office and they say this is still the best system we understand what what systems are like you guys don't understand the intricacies of what goes on this is the best system my critique to this is today for example you have maybe 3 out of 34 judges of the supreme court who are from lower castes you have three women out of 34 whereas our politics has diversified so much more so if if the power of appointment went back to the politicians through parliament through a good scrutiny mechanism through perhaps even a judicial accountability commission of the sort that we wanted two things will happen one you will automatically get more diversity because your politics will drive that diversity into your judges yes and if you get more diversity you will get more diversity of reasoning you can think that judges are and lawyers have the capacity to reason something to death nothing is like that eventually at some point in time there is confirmation bias and your confirmation bias comes through your historicity right now we are trained to er- eradicate that as best as we possibly can but we all know it happens okay it happens maybe it happens to a much lesser degree to us because of our training than it would to an ordinary citizen but it happens and so there should be other kinds of confirmation bias that must get the same platform of the supreme court right that's that's one aspect the other is you are you say you have these judicial vacancies everywhere you are not you don't have the time or day to get all of this done let there be a standing council with a secretariat with a pool of people that they will keep appointing and keep filling i mean let's forget about the supreme court and the high courts they have enough of their vacancies supreme court today is full but the high courts have a lot of vacancies but beyond the high courts what matters are your courts of first instance you don't have a full magistracy in virtually any place in the country today you have the drt courts i mean the, the debt recovery tribunal courts unless you have something totally emergent the massive emergency you're not going to get a hearing on a drt in delhi you're still being clubbed with alabar so some judge comes up realizes the scale of what he has got and he just okay i've got some emergency orders to pass beyond that everybody bugger off right so you'll be able to fill those vacancies and you'll be able to build a better infrastructure so these arguments have to be had but please don't assume that the supreme court comes from a position of malice and all of this it doesn't it's not trying to preserve just its turf which is the way this is always pitched the the history of all of this is supreme court's piquancy on 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 the idea of an executive or a parliament run amok because we've seen it we've seen it today they are in my opinion they are going to struggle with the idea of a you know you can keep calling modi x or y or z on his legislative agenda there has been nothing even remotely exaggerated how there has been nothing that you would look at and say oh my god what kind of a law is this 
He didn't pass UAPA. He didn't pass TADA. He, he's in fact removing AFSPA. Right? What law has he... IBC is not a law that you look at and say, oh my God, what a trampling of rights. No, it was necessary reform. You don't look at GST and say, oh my God, again, what a trampling of rights. No, necessary reform, maybe flawed reform, it works, but it'll work itself out. So there's nothing in the legislative agenda today, despite the power that he's possessed over two massive electoral victories, where, where you can turn on and say, okay, we, we perhaps again have uh, an executive or a parliament that's running amok. Right? So maybe it's time in the Supreme Court's own psyche to start balancing out the piquancy of the experience of the 70s with what you're getting now, that you're getting, in fact, a strong central government that is roped in by, in fact, the will of the people, because the level of information dissemination is so much greater today. You, you literally use the words, because I was just going to say, I think now the Supreme Court has become uh, come in between the will of the people and a democracy. Well, I mean, so we'll have to argue on that. I'm not quite sure how you how you frame that in relation to, in relation to NJAC. Yeah, till now, I'm not convinced about uh, in relation to the NJAC. parliament has to be supreme. Well, then they'll delete the fundamental right. Then what are you going to do? Well, we can always say you, you it is supreme. And I, you I'm can... deleting the right. This is what they did during emergency. I'm deleting the right to life. There's no habeas corpus. We passed it unanimously. What are you going to do? You're basically, the problem with removing a fetter like basic structure altogether is to say your only recourse now is ha have a, no, don't, not only do you need to have a revolution, you need to have a successful revolution. Yeah, but make a bata to counter that. I'll counter, Aaj India mein... I'll counter it myself. I'll counter it myself. I'll counter it by saying if we have got to a point where the constitution is being amended to such a degree, mm -hmm. one or two things have happened. Right? Either the character of the nation has changed to such a degree that the Supreme Court itself is OTOs now. Right? Or we are in a state of civil war. Are, I would have flipped it around and told that what if the parliament has some idea and the courts become draconian? Because the courts in India have so many rights. What if they make free speech laws, which is a right? No, powers, More draconian. Powers, you mean. Yeah, so I mean, we're looking at some of these hate speech legislation, hate speech. Uh, what they are, you listen to commentary by judges, you get scared. Yeah, yeah. So why why doesn't it apply to the other institution and only to the parliament? Uh, that's a different question and we can have a podcast on that. That is actually a question. So it'll be the, it, it's the 180 degree question to this podcast. This podcast is basic structure doctrine really on the powers of the parliament's amending power, right? The opposite is what is the scope of judicial power? Yeah, that's a that, that so that's a no. Very but different the argument you gave, what if the parliament does that, is equally applies. What if the and what it the judiciary keeps doing it? Right, but here's the difference: judiciary has no power of enforcement. Are magari without uh, so it much has power, no power of enforcement. In two thousand six, Supreme Court passed a, a unanimous judgment saying. All of you have to come back. All states have to come back with their suggestions of police reform. And these police reforms have to be finished in the next few years. Haan, kisi nahi 2023, kiya. buddy. Supreme Court, by, so Supreme Court may pass the most egregious judgment in the world. Okay? It has absolutely no power of enforcement. Yeah, enforcement power nahi. Yeah, That's I the agree. difference between Parliament doing it or Executive doing it and Supreme Court. No, no, but it still doesn't matter. One, when you have courts, uh, I use the word with full responsibility, you have trigger-happy courts like this. These trigger happy I'm, courts. I'm sorry, I, I think you're being very harsh on the courts and calling them trigger happy. I, I I really would recommend for a lot of people go to your local high court, sit in sit in one of the courtrooms for a couple of days. Don't don't do it in like one hour. Just go sit in a couple of days. See the kind of work they get done in a day. How when you say trigger happy, how often they just jump to the aid of the citizen? How frequently they do that, and how how proficiently they do that, and 
please look at really specifically how council that represent state and states instrumentalities are put to the sword that they have to explain every single iota of their action. Yes, if they give that explanation, the state's power is always respected. But if they're unable in any, any scope to give that explanation, there's relief that comes straight away. Right? My problem is more on the magistracy side because bail is becoming... Like bail is, We've never resolved the issue of bail properly in India. But even that, I think, is starting to get better. We're seeing much more mature judgments and much more processes being established by high courts in particular. Hey, but don't don't think that this is a trigger happy set of judges only. There, there's a lot of wisdom where I'm not saying it's all or nothing, but the point is that I am very uncomfortable with the idea because at least in a democracy, I can select my parliamentarian, like it or not, in every five years. No, I'm sorry. You do you even okay, you can, but really, to a large degree, your parliamentarian is somebody the candidate is pretty much enforced upon you by your political party. Yes, so what? Right? You don't know that candidate. You may have no relationship with that candidate. You have, you've done these excellent podcasts with Nalin, right? The thing that I really enjoyed about the BJP there is people keep reducing, this is very reductive, you know, when people say, oh my God, it's such a professional political party. It's so, it's so numbers driven. What it's doing is that it's able to take, decide who's going to win and put them in play. That really is them actually taking feedback, right? And saying, the performance of the, your current sitting MP is not good enough. And we are strong enough to replace 180 out of them, even in a winning election. Right? And we are able to win elections despite that. UP, they changed stock, lock, stock and barrel that entire uh, polling card was changed from when they had won in 17. That is a responsive party. But that's not the case with other parties necessarily. That's not the case with other parties. So you are, you may have the tyranny of the elected who then become dynastic. All of these things exist side by side, Kushal. That's why these balances have to be yeah, done. But then Jaitli ji, or who was it who had said, yeah, Manish Tiwari had said, the tyranny well, of the unelected. Question. Younger democracies all over the world are starting to accept basic structure. I'm still not convinced. Older refined concept. systems don't have any need to accept basic structure. Yeah, America may basic structure. Hai. Yeah, but America may fear me. They have another solution to that, right? The Second Amendment. Militia <laughs> 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 You know, so they have they have they have, all all of the like, these are cultural things. I was just having a chat with a friend of mine and I was explaining like, you know, we were talking about various we were having a really pointless electoral chat, actually a political chat. And I was just amazed at how much in generality, very smart lawyers can sometimes speak about politics and think that they're right. And I was like, but we were talking about how he was talking about how economic issues are just not electoral issues in India. What? Yeah, they're not. They're not, not massive vote getting issues. So two things from this. One. Economic issues is what drove this whole basic structure thing in the 60s and 70s. Just that the economic demand was for a socialist sort of structure, right? The second is that economics for us, let's understand that we operate slightly, our culture is slightly different thing. In America, what is an ideal American life? You know, you're, you're a young kid, you go to school, you get to a particular age, and you start working. The entrepreneurial spirit has to reach you very early. That's culture for them. 
entrepreneurial spirit is a core part of them right maybe our shastras are maybe our religious teaching is maybe our uh, cultural teaching is more for us but for them it is that and so therefore economic policy tends to be maybe it's not intricate economic policy but job numbers enough like that decide the fate of a winning or losing candidate quite often apne yahan pe kam hota hai kam hota hai but as we grow uh, it will become much more i think profound yeah uh, some of these problems kushal i think will be just they'll be ended by growth yeah i think that is there because these are balance issues right there's really like the what i wanted to really drive through in this discussion was these are if you look at it it's really just a very heavy negotiation between two organs of the state yeah and and in a society where the pie is very small yeah so when you expand the pie then, then the everybody fear becomes more secure then the fear is reduced and then you can everybody look becomes different okay let me take a please few few questions please. i'll have to twist them because log bade bade pravachan bhi dete hain so so somebody again has asked ki matlab basically anything that the judges want becomes no, part no, no, of that's, the that's not correct that's uh, not, is I, that I the know, case I want, I, i want to i want to immediately deal with this i want to immediately deal with this okay so i will give you small examples of uh so some takeaways constitutional power is above legislative power is effectively what basic hmm. structure means uh basic features of the constitution from just say keshav nand bharti one is the supremacy of the constitution this is what you hear so often nowadays mm-hmm. right that above parliament is the constitution supremacy of the constitution second republican and dem- democratic form of government okay uh secular character of the constitution this is before secularism was introduced into the preamble even samajh gaya but it originates by the necessary interpretation of provisions as it existed right separation of powers between legislature executive and judiciary you cannot exercise each other's powers mm. uh federal character of the constitution the federal states will have certain powers you cannot impinge upon those powers now things start to get a little bit vague beyond that some will say you know the mandate to build a welfare state how uh, can that be a basic structure that's right it can't because it can't really be applied uh now sovereign democratic republic status equality of status and opportunity of an individual secularism freedom of conscience religion now please understand something these are all very vaguely generally stated why because they have to arise and be applied in the context of a specific act, uh, constitutional amendment right so ews was a great example there, there was a, ews is actually quite a simple and yet interesting bellwether amendment it takes um reservations beyond 50% mm-hmm. it adds a new category of the kind of reservation because reservation before this was only about correcting historical wrongs mm-hmm. now you're not going to correcting historical wrongs now you are going to uh basically alleviate poverty in a sense through uh, uh reservations so you've changed the character of what the original concept of a reservation is so have you changed the basic structure of what the reservation idea was and the court turns around and says no i mean if even if you have evolved it a bit there's been a growing mandate to be able to evolve it mm. right so let's let's not look at basic structure as this kind of fear that anything and everything can become something that stops parliament there's no tyranny there okay. the outstanding issue on basic structure after having pushed indra back a few times mm-hmm. right is njac and nothing else today 
So what the addition of the word secular in the constitution is that not? Uh, it's in the preamble. Yes, the constitution is anyway secular. Okay, so that would not be. So what about the freedom of speech and the, uh, you know, Ambedkar's critique was basically freedom of speech. No, no, and... So so let's say tomorrow Parliament were to pass a law, a constitutional amendment that deletes the freedom of speech and expression. Yeah, that I am hundred percent certain. That would fall afoul of basic structure. That would. 100%. If you don't have free speech, you have nothing. Like, I mean, what, what is left then? Hmm. Okay. Then somebody has asked, so basically, is this a tussle between fundamental rights versus basic structure? <laughs> a viewer has asked this question. Oh, uh, we need to restart the podcast. <laughs> no, no, one sec, one sec. Let, let me explain that. It's not a tussle between fundamental rights and basic structure. Uh, I think perhaps they worded it a little incorrectly, but they may well have understood it correctly, which is that Supreme Court had to choose between having a basic structure concept to restrict parliamentary power or to turn around and say you cannot touch fundamental rights at all. Hmm. That is what it was. And I think that that is perhaps what they are trying to refer to. Mm-hmm. Okay. What about, uh, so somebody has asked, is NJIC making a comeback again? Is the government really serious about it or is the uniform from civil what I've code? Read, from what I've read so far, uh, I, I don't see NJIC necessarily making a comeback today, but UCC is a very interesting. Because, Haan, actually, because what UCC? Ka Ye bhi basic structure mein it'll be the basic structure. opposite. It'll be the, in fact, the argument that will be raised by a lot of, my, by, by say your AIM, PL, PMLB and a lot of others will be that if you remove our personal laws, uh, right? Will you go back, if you remember during the hijab podcast, which we'd done with Amna and Khalid, yes, 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 yes. I had read to you the opening words of Article 25 and 26. Yes. Right? Subject to public order and morality, we can yes. pass the law, right? Yes. So UCC will be that subject to public order and morality. And so what you So what, that will not be a basic structure. I, I, I'm 100% certain that, well, see, it comes down to which, first and foremost, UCC. Is not going to be a constitutional amendment, so basic structure is not the issue. Okay. UCC will be a legislative amendment. Okay. And it won't be one code, it will be several legislative amendments. To that end, I often keep tweeting about the fact that an aspect of UCC is starting to emerge anyway. Okay. There is some uniformity that is starting to emerge anyway. Okay. So the most current battle that is going on was the application of POXO to underage Muslim marriages. Okay. Some high courts have said, no, you absolutely cannot apply POXO. One high court has said, you cannot apply POXO, Punjab and Haryana, mm-hmm. to Muslim mar- underage Muslim marriage- marriages between teenagers. Whereas others are saying, no, no, this is, this marriage is illegal. It's void. POXO applies. We don't care what uh, Sharia will say in this. But then which is the law? So now the Supreme Court will have to resolve that, right? Because high courts are allowed to take okay. alternative views to each other. So if you ask me what the law is, in Kerala, the law is the latter. In Punjab, the law is the former. What that a country. Happens. Of course it happens. So in America, for example, 50 states are considered 50 separate legal laws. I know. There are child marriage in states. So, and you have different abortion so, rules. So India is... across state lines uh, to get certain... India benefits. is a left-wing libertarian utopia. Not a right-wing libertarian <laughs> utopia. It's a left-wing libertarian utopia. Oh, my God. And this is this guy called Andrew Leichhardt. He came up with this lovely theory in the late 60s called consociationalism. And consociationalism is what is used as a tool to determine how best multi-ethnic societies can be successful democracies. Yeah. And even late in the 90s and early 2000s, he wrote an article saying, I'm still, still trying to explain India. 
the mother of all multi ethnic multi uh, uh, multicultural democracies cannot be explained by any theory because in the 60s and the 50s they used to all believe up to gaya up to gaya up to gaya abhi tutega abhi tutega so okay tell me then uh, one more question no oh, as many one as more question ye right to property wala bhi jo issue hai abhi so where do we stand in in terms of the right to property as is legally right now and so if the government right try to do under, something under article 300a which says the government cannot take because uh, it all started with that right government cannot take right to property cannot take a private property without force of law and due compensation no but what if the government tries to change something and make makes it even more fundamental in that sense ki that then then is enshrined and done and dusted with and then can the okay let me flip it around can the government now come up with a full constitutional amendment and say now for once we are actually going to define what the basic structure means and this is what in the future as per the parliament's decree is going to be the basic structure of india period and no courts can touch it in the future this is going to be my last question when uh, before we violate of article 32 that's the end of that it's violative of the basic structure your statement of what Ye, is the basic parliament basic structure ne decide kar sakta hai ye kaisi baat hui you can but if i were the courts and i and certainly i know what the courts will do they'll be like yeah this is very good we take it on board it's advisory it's not exhaustive so basically well look you see this is where so i am not see you thought i would no this the courts are dangerous parliament is, is more dangerous politicians are more dangerous than courts no see tu vakeel hai iske liye tu ye bolta hai nahi yaar i'm giving you a structural reason structural is very scary jo bhi hai ek democracy ki essence parliament ki supremacy honi chahiye पार्लियामेंट को ही डिसाइड करना चाहिए कोई ऐसी right so we are sitting in india so we keep looking at others but really the world looks at us as as a as an example of a successful democracy we are right up there with anybody effective gold standard boss 1.4 billion people state democratic 70 odd years no problem at all right we are building our own structures in our own way and we made it work largely we made it work sure we have this one debate and it's not so much basic structure as bothering parliament today parliament not pushed back on basic structure since the 70s no one other than indra pushed back on basic structure what's bothering them is don't come and tell us when we pass something as crucial as njac that it's not part of the basic structure okay so it is a specific part of the basic structure where you have said judicial independence only uh, is satisfied as a, as a basic structure of the constitution is only satisfied by the system that we have set up which is the collegium system अच्छा ये इसको मैं कहता हूँ जलेबी क्वेश्चन ये मतलब ये है ना इंसेप्शन वाला जो क्वेश्चन था ना सपने के अंदर सपना के अंदर सपना ये वो है किसी ने पूछा है व्हाट इफ द गवर्नमेंट रिवोक्स द वेरी लॉ दैट द कोर्ट्स यूज्ड टू स्ट्राइक डाउन द लॉज व्हाट हैपेंस देन दैट वुड बी दैट दे आर एलिमिनेटिंग द कॉन्स्टिट्यूशन सो बेसिकली नो सो 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 दैट इज जलेबी है नो नो नसाना जलेबी दैट्स व्हाट आई केम बैक टू देन देन योर ऑप्शंस आर वेरी सिंपल कोर्ट्स विल कम बैक एंड टेल यू योर लॉ इज इलीगल it is it is against the basic structure government ne shabano mein nahi kiya tha kya but that's not a that, that's not an example similar to this this is a different example hmm. read the question in its words what if the government revokes the very law that the courts used to strike down the laws right so what is the law the courts used to strike down laws 
the law made by the parliament no, at times. No, the or... constitution is effectively. It's not the entire constitution, ah, Nikhil. Yeah, you are also now making it like the whole no, constitution, no, no, no. part of the constitution, yes, ah, Nikhil. Yes, Article thirty-two, you will strike down. Be crystal clear about this. On Article thirty-two, they've been quite clear that once you take take that power of judicial review away from us, judicial review is most definitely always basic structure, and I'm glad it is. Okay. So you can't pass that act, uh, that amendment and get away with it. So that effectively what it means is you're deleting Article 32, you're deleting Article 136, you're deleting Article 226, and maybe other provisions of 137, 138, 139, etc. And taking away Supreme Court's jurisdiction, High Court's jurisdiction to decide against state action. That, that's the most anti-democratic thing you can possibly have. Judicial review, independent judicial review is, is an initial feature of any democracy. And with now I'm back virtually to Marbury versus Madison. So that we do the Uskovi basic structure. Well, the obvious basic structure. <laughs> Otherwise, the third organ of the state doesn't exist. That's the most fundamental aspect of judiciary uh, of uh, democracy. Okay. Chalo. Fair. I think pretty much. Is there any mention of the collegium in the constitution? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So Shabash. All right. Chalo. Okay. Fair. I guess. Okay. We'll wrap it up over here. But before we wrap it up, you want to make any closing comments? No, 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 no closing comments. I'm, I'm sure. Look, this is. I appreciate that today is actually quite a complicated subject matter in the way in which I've explained it. But I wanted everybody to understand the legal sort of nuances of what the first principles of all of this are. Right. So I, I know people struggle, but they can always reach out to me on Twitter or to you, and we can sort of filter more questions. All awesome, awesome. So guys, we will wrap it up. It's almost. It's an hour and a half now. By the way, this was fun. In person is actually... Yeah, this was, this was really... I, I, initially, I thought I'd be daunted and all by your presence. Yeah. But no, no, I wasn't. I'm too small and timid. <laughs> so, uh, as always, buddy, it is a pleasure talking to you. And now uh, we have to Yes. So, So, guys, once again, please follow Nikhil on Twitter. And if you have any follow-up questions, just tweet it out to him. He will be more than happy to answer all of them. And if you enjoy what I try to do through the Charvak podcast, as you understand, these kinds of questions are not going to be touched on pretty much any podcast. It's only done over here, at least in India. Uh, So... The, the reason I am able to do it is because you guys, some of you who become a member of this podcast on YouTube or on Patreon or on Fanmo, you give me the freedom to do these things. So please continue to become a member. Uh, if you want any other way to support the podcast, well, you can become, uh, you know, you can buy the merch or you can send your donations to UPI or और कुछ नहीं कर सकते तो जाके Spotify पर review दे दो, iTunes पर review दे दो, YouTube में subscribe कर लो. I will see you, uh, you know, I have a very uh, eclectic array of subjects lined up in the next few days. We will be covering the Seattle cast legislation in detail. Oh, wow. I have read the legislation. I'm calling Suhag Shukla to talk about oh, it. Oh, excellent. She knows so, it inside. Yeah, so Suhag is a lawyer too. So okay. I'm going to she talk about the Suhag, uh, Seattle cast legislation. So as always, guys, pleasure uh, to have you all on the live stream. Live streams are a lot of fun. Uh, but I'll see you now some other day. Until then, take care. Bye.